0: Heavenly Father, we bless you and we thank you, God, for this amazing man. We thank you, Lord, that you chose, Chris, to deliver a word in time and in season. We pray in your holy name, Lord God, that those words will fly out of his mouth like arrows and they will hit into all of the places that are needed most. We thank you, Lord God, that your word, when you send it out, it does not return to your void, but it goes out to accomplish all the things that you sent it out to do. So we praise you. You are our holy God, Lord, and all glory belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, friends, family, church, family, how are we today? I thought you might say that, because we're in the house of the Lord, praising and worshipping. Just get myself prepared here, I've got a few pages, so hopefully I've got them in the right order I was reading through just before and noticed there was a page and I didn't know what it was doing there. So it may, it may come out or not. Well, friends, I want to share, uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, uh, I'm going to open up to Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says this, it says that all scripture, that is what's written in the Bible, is inspired by God. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And God uses it to prepare and equip us to do every good work. Today I'm hoping that we can search the scriptures to learn how to lean into God in times of grief. See, God reveals so much about this to us through the Scriptures. And we'll be exploring passages that lay out a biblical approach to grief. And these are referred to as a practice of lament. It's my prayer today that God's blessing of safety and protection would be upon our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus as we dive in to learn more about this practice of lamenting. So God's revealed to us how to lament for his people in the Bible. People that have shared their life stories and experiences with us by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. How to express our grief and our sorrow honestly. How to wrestle with God about our losses and personal suffering. How to cry out in anguish and sadness, both for what's happening in our lives and the lives of of the people of those we love, and in the world around us. And it's all in here. It's all in God's Word. So I want somebody to hear this today. So I'm going to ask you to do something. If you can turn to the person next to you or the closest person in your vicinity and say, God is on your side, even if you can't hear it right now. Oh, no, sorry. Even if you can't see it right now. Okay, let's try that again. So turn to the person who is your second choice. Okay. And let's say to them, God is on your side. Even if you can't see it right now. See, God's given us a living hope. It's a hope that cannot be taken away. Not even by death. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God that has been revealed to us in Christ Jesus. And that's where I'd like us to land today. That's where we're going. But first, we're going to look deep within our hearts and minds about the grief, the loss, and the suffering that we're experiencing right now. I want us to know that we can lean into the loving arms of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, that He's our living hope. And that no matter what we go through in this life, Jesus is our living hope. So the next part of the message here, it's an adaption of a prayer tool that's been provided to us in session five of the prayer course. Uh, some of you guys may have worked through that early in the year in some small groups. It's a program that we do out at Juralong, and it's been a great blessing to me both personally and seeing God work through and transform the lives of people that step into it. And session five is all focused around unanswered prayer and I can tell you right now that for me this time in my life and God working to prepare this message was very, a very intentional way of both him reaching out for me in a, in a time of my family that is an anniversary of loss and, and great grief in my life. And I can only say that by leaning into God's promises and just being completely honest with him and remembering his faithfulness, that I could go through and really start to understand more about how God wants to journey deeper with me in my life. And it's my hope that this can be a time for you as we go into some of that really difficult stuff. Of our lives that we can press into what God has in store for us. So later on, uh, when we have an opportunity to respond to this message and to do some business with God, I've got that prayer tool um, available for us at the mercy seat because sometimes we just need a rest in the arms of the Lord and. This gives us a way in which we can follow, we can learn more about the stuff we're talking about today. So if you want to take that on um, in your own personal way, the Bible verses and this biblical approach to lament, it will be available to you as well. But this is some of the things that I have gone through with it and would love to share with you. Because when we experience pain and loss, something's beyond our control. And we feel like God's our enemy. I can feel like God's my enemy. The anger and confusion that we feel does not need to destroy our faith. We may never grasp why God allows such trials, but at such times we can learn, we need to learn how to trust in God. During our seasons of unanswered prayer, particularly those we've with them that brings such a surge of acute pain. We can look into and press into these scriptures of lament to help put words to some of the anguish that we're going through when there's nothing there that we can say. See, an unanswered prayer implies enduring of some type of loss and it leads us to a place of trying to process loss, grief, disappointment, sorrow, Our our hopes and our expectations have been shattered. They've been unfulfilled. Loved ones have been lost. Dreams have been smashed. We feel unheard, confused, and usually left asking, why, why, why? It seems that God hasn't come through as we thought that He might. It is here that we must remember that the pain is not the enemy. Pain is pain, and pain needs to be expressed. For pain that is not expressed can never be transformed. Pain needs to be expressed. Because if it isn't, it can never be transformed. And that pain that is not transformed will be transmitted against ourselves, against the people around us, Pain needs to be expressed so that God might transform that pain into something beautiful. One of the most undervalued and misunderstood parts of Scripture are the lament passages, most notable in Psalms, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Job, Jeremiah and Lamentations, all found in the Old Testament of the Bible. Jeremiah expresses a gut-wrenching anguish in his own book and through lamentations. Job faces and experiences many unanswered questions and tormented wrestling. And over one-third of the Psalms are full-throttled, no-holds-barred, songs of disappointment and searing pain. Here's some examples of those scriptures. This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me, no one to restore my spirit. My children are destitute because the enemy has prevailed. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I've come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I'm worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for my God. What did I do to deserve this? I expected good, but evil showed up. I look for light, but darkness fell. My stomach's in a constant churning. It never settles down. Each day confronts me with more suffering. I walk under a black cloud. The sun is gone. I sit, stand in the crowd and protest. I howl with the jackals. It's sad that many of us have sidelined these passages in our own personal devotion times and even in corporate worship particularly when they were gifted to us as a way to help us through the many days of disappointment, grief and loss that we all inevitably face. The lament passages of Holy Scripture are there to sit with us in our pain. Though it appears all trace of God's presence has left, these passages mysteriously convey to us the truth that God is not simply trying to rush us out of our pain, but rather first and foremost, be with us in that. He's present with us, experiencing our pain, carrying our sorrows, listening to our rage, and understanding our doubts. The Old Testament writers were made of stern stuff. Rather than trying to control or ignore the pain, which many of us try and do, they encourage us to lean towards it, even when it seems like insurmountable grief. They call on us to face our grief, to express it wholeheartedly in the presence of a holy God, because they know that even though it feels like we've lost our lives, we don't have to lose our souls too. Don't rush through these passages of lament. Even if you're having a good day, instead allow your soul to be shaped by these holy words so that when the difficult days come, you have a well-developed go-to prayer language that can help you through. And if you, today in a dark season of unanswered prayer, unsure how to pray or express your anger or disappointment to God, know that there's an invitation to bring all that's inside of you to the Father. Receive the lament passages of the Bible as a rare treasure helping you to speak out holy words when you don't have your own. And as you do, you slowly become aware that contrary to how impossible it currently seems, that God can do something with the brokenness of our lives beyond what we can imagine. He will turn what seems like irreversible into a message of resilient hope. But that resilience will only be formed in us after we've prayed through the process of pain. And that's why these passages of lament are God's gift to us. Throughout the book of Job, we see that God's spirit will never fail us. Not even in the moments of our deepest anguish or when the attack of the enemy is the strongest. He will always be our partner in spiritual warfare. Prosperous Job, he lost every possession and every family member except for his wife. Afflicted by Satan and tested by God, God endured suffering and trials of every sort, including disease that ravaged his body. Job cried out to God asking why. Job's friends tried to advise him and explain his suffering. But no explanation comforted Job. Job, however, refused to curse God and continued to seek a response from his Holy Spirit. Through the whirlwind of his spirit, God spoke to Job and questioned him. And Job repented and acknowledged the sovereignty of God. God did restore to Job at the end of his life all that he had lost and more. The Holy Spirit would never abandon Job. He was present to sustain him during all the time of his suffering. The Spirit of God does not spare people from suffering and trials, but God's Spirit never abandons his people. And he always sustains and strengthens us to endure every trial and to be victorious over the enemy's attacks. I like the way that Peter puts it in first Peter chapter five. Verses 6 to 11. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, at just the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give him all your worries. Give him all your cares. Because he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering as you are. In his kindness, God called to you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Who could imagine such greater mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped away from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Saviour. I'm yours forever, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah, praise the one who sets me free. Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. You've broken every chain and there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. I love that and I I can sit in that in those moments and be reminded of God's precious gift that he gives us through his presence, through the fact that we can be honest, completely honest with him about every aspect of our lives, and he will meet us just where we're at. Though I cry violence, I get no response. Though I call for help, there is no justice. He's blocked my way so that I cannot pass. He's shrouded my path In darkness, he stripped me of my honour and removed the crown from my head. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end, he will stand on the earth. After my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes and I, not another, how my heart yearns within me. It's a little bit further on in Job where despite of letting out his cry to the Lord, he remembers his faithfulness and he utters this statement of faith that really highlights his many expressions of grief and pain. See, it's significant that Job would go from the depths of despair and to the heights of faith and then back to the depths again. And it's often the normal experience that we go through when we are experiencing great suffering. The skies will be dark and stormy, but a ray of light will suddenly shine through, and then the storm will come again. And despite what some preachers say, very few people can maintain a constant high level of faith and courage in times of grief and severe pain and trial. A well-known preacher once said, I wish you wouldn't think of me as such a saint, You seem to imagine that I have no ups and downs, only a constant and unbroken joy. By no means, I'm often perfectly wretched and everything appears most murky. I wonder if that's the message that we send to people who have not found faith in the Lord Jesus. And as Christians, we put that message out there that everything's so good that it seems unattainable to live in that level of faith. I wonder if a little bit of honesty and those times when things aren't going so well, a little bit of vulnerability to share where we're really at and what we're really going through would help people, would testify to the fact that we're just human beings. I'm just a human being and I fail often and regularly. But I hope that through that, I can surrender that brokenness of my life, that God may use it in a special way. To help people know that although I might have those ups and downs, that I'm not alone in there. And that as they go through those ups and downs, that God has not left them or forsaken them, but is with them in any and all things that we go through. I know that my Redeemer lives. The Hebrew word translated Redeemer in verse 25 of Job chapter 19 It refers to the kinsman redeemer. It's the near relative that could avenge his brother, reclaim and restore his brother's property, and set his brother free from slavery. The kinsman redeemer could also go to court on behalf of a wronged relative. Now, Previously in these chapters, Job had spoken about his need for an umpire and an advocate in heaven. And now he takes it a step further. His Redeemer will one day justify him, and Job will be there to witness it. And when you consider how little God had revealed in Job's day about the plan of salvation through Jesus, these words become a remarkable testimony of faith. Now, of course, we know that this Kingsman Redeemer is Jesus Christ. He took upon himself a human nature So that he might reveal God to us. To show us that he has experienced all that we experience. To die for our sins. For God to raise him to life. And for him to return to heaven to represent us before the Father. Jesus is willing to save. He's able to save. Picked up this passage in Lamentations 3. And I love it. It's hope in the Lord's faithfulness. It goes like this. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I'll never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those that depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quiet, quietly for salvation from the Lord. And is good to people, for people to submit to him at an early age. To the yoke of his discipline. Let them sit alone in silence beneath the Lord's demands. Let them lie face down in the dusk, for there may be hope at last. Let them turn the other cheek and accept the insults of their enemies, for no one is abandoned by the Lord forever. Though he brings grief, he also shows compassion because of the greatness of his unfailing love. He does not enjoy hurting people or causing them sorrow. This is Jeremiah lamenting through the book of Lamentations. And he goes from contemplating his misery to remembering God's mercy, to remembering God's faithfulness. He still experienced the pain and the sorrow and the anguish, but he also called to mind the faithfulness of the Lord. And that's what gives him hope. The realisation of God's mercy, compassion and faithfulness generated hope in Jeremiah's soul. And his contemplation of trouble became a confession of faith. You know, I tried to do that while I was preparing this message. I tried to stand firm in my faith and I was struggling. I didn't know where I was going or what needed to be said today and I couldn't get past the grief and sorrow the brokenness in my own soul and I was blaming myself Chris you know you have so many experience of how standing firm in the faith will help you and then I realized it dawned on me it wasn't me standing firm on my faith that got me through it was remembering his faithfulness And it stirred up that hope. And then, and only then, could I stand firm in my faith to share this message, to go through this process of arriving at the foot of the cross. See, unbelief causes us to look at God through our circumstances, and this creates hopelessness. But faith enables us to look at our circumstances through the reality of God. And this can give us hope. God is our eternal source of strength, hope, and blessing. Our circumstances change, and so do our feelings about them. But God is always good, loving, merciful, and kind, and he never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And as Jeremiah contemplated the character of God, He realised that the best thing he and his people could do was wait patiently and silently for the Lord to work and accomplish his will in his time. And these are some of the wonderful assurances that Jeremiah encourages us with today. Things that we can hold on to in these times of grief and loss and suffering. The Lord doesn't cast off his own people and forget them. In the midst of pain... We know that he loves us. God doesn't enjoy chastising his own and he feels our pain. God sees the way that people treat us. God is on the throne and in control of all events. He's the hope of eternal life that I want to land on today. This is in First Peter. It says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And now we can live with great expectation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. Pure and undefiled. Beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad, friends. Be truly glad. There is a wonderful joy ahead. Even though we must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your faith is more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. We love him even though we have never seen him. And though we do not see him now, we trust him and we Rejoice with glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of our souls. I'm going to invite uh, Nate to come and lead us in worship. And really want to invite you into a space. Give you that permission that God gives us through the scriptures to bring our grief to him to the foot of the cross, to the mercy seat. You may have never seen uh, what happens in heaven when we come to the Lord and we ask for his mercy, for him to remember what we're going through to help us through that. But I can guarantee you, friends, that God hears our prayers and he listens to each and every one of us when we, when we share this. I was talking to Nate during the week because one of the worship songs that came to mind of where to land this, it's called Praise You in This Storm. And Here's some of the lyrics that I hope can start to prepare your heart that can invite you to come to God with all that you have. I was sure by now, God, that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away, stepped in and saved the day. And once again, I say, amen, and it's still raining. But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear your whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I'll praise you in this storm. I'll lift my hands because you are who you are no matter where I am. And every tear that I've cried, you hold in your hand. You've never left my side. And though my heart is torn, I praise you in this storm. I encourage you, meet with the Lord exactly where you're at. He knows exactly who you are. and His arms are open wide to receive you, to hold you and to love you back to life.